Hey, Infinity Bros Universe, it's Infinity Bro Max. And before our show starts, I want to tell you about a sweet opportunity that we're going to be engaging in this coming Saturday, May 2nd, starting at 8 a.m. We're going to be doing a 24-hour live stream event on Twitch where we're going to be gaming for 24 straight hours. And our hope is that we can fundraise $1,000 for the Ronald McDonald House. If you don't know about us, we have been greatly impacted by nonprofits like the Ronald McDonald House. Obviously, I work for Young Life, and many of us serve in different roles in other ministries and nonprofits. During this season of COVID-19, it's really important to us that we get out and help others. And we want to give you the opportunity to join us in this. So would you consider giving a donation, doesn't matter how big or small, towards the Infinity Bros 24-hour live stream event. We'll have notes in the show notes on how you can get there. And if you don't see those there, you can go to our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to find out more details. Every little bit counts, and we want to make sure that we can make a positive impact in this season. Another benefit, we're going to be doing some fun, crazy things if we reach certain levels, like five, six, seven hundred. And if we get to a thousand, we're going to do something really extra disgusting. So please consider giving towards this donation coming May 2nd from 8 a.m. to May 3rd at 8 a.m. Until then, enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that's perfectly balanced as all things should be, here on a beautiful Saturday evening as we all continue to be trapped inside of our houses. I'm your host, Max Moser. All jokes aside, we're glad to see we're glad to see you, we're glad to hear you. Grateful that you're here with us, wherever you are listening, however you are listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. I'm here with two Infinity Bros and a special guest. We'll get to him in a minute. But first, all the way from Montana, he's still alive and kicking. It's Jarrett. Hello, friends. Jarrett, uh, how are you? How are you holding up? I'm doing great. Um, I know things have been rough for a lot of people on the reservation and where we're at right now, but uh, me and my family, are we're very healthy. We're having um, just a good time staying home and staying quarantined. We busted out a uh, toy Jeep for my boys today and enjoyed the sun, sunshine, so I'm doing fantastic. Can't complain. That is a very strange flex, but we will allow it, and we will let you say that. Um, the other Infinity Bro, it's Infinity Bro, Isaac. Isaac, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Uh, like Jared said, it was a beautiful day here in Minnesota as well, and it uh, was unfortunately meaning a yard work day, so I was outside doing lots of yard work. So I am tired, but I'm ready to record with my good friends and brothers, the Infinity Bros, and one other special guest. Stay tuned. You, you great, great little plug there. And our final uh, person, he's he's kind of an honorary, honorary infinity bro, from the first Geek Four Eleven podcast, Cameron. Cameron, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Excited to be here, dude. Thanks for coming on. It's weird now. We have guests on, and they're way more competent than we are, Isaac. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so we have to be more prepared. <laughs> we, have, we have to put on our nice outfits uh, to look like we know what we're doing. And we have to shower and do all those little things to make sure that we impress Cameron. Showers are definitely appreciated, even in these trying times. Now, Cameron, I've never met you. I've never even seen you, actually. Um, But I I envisioned you with a strong strong beard, and you did not disappoint. I'm going to be honest with you. You did not (laughs) disappoint at all. It's beautiful. Always last minute, never last place. I love that. It's amazing. And selfish plug, the Kingdom Hearts uh, backdrop behind you. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So I um listeners, as you can see, behind me there is a Kingdom Hearts poster. It's the Toy Story Abomination from Kingdom Hearts three. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um it came with the deluxe edition that came out like what two years ago? Still wrinkly. Been hanging out for two years. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So you played Kingdom Hearts three. What what would be your rating of that game, real quick, before we get into it? Um, like in my heart of hearts, it's like a seven out of six. Praise the Lord. Um, in like a real, like realistic, like scale, like a, probably a 4.125. I love it. I love it. I think I would agree across the board. I would give it a little higher rating for my personal rating. I love the way they ended it, but I agree. We're not going to just talk about kingdom hearts today though. We got a lot of news for you guys. We're going to unpack venom two. There's a brand new title. There's new details about that movie. We're going to talk about that. Parks and Rec is coming back for a special episode. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get into the Travis Scott Fortnite news with over 12 million people essentially participating in an online concert. We're going to do some hot or snot. And because Cameron's on, he is our residential board game expert. We're going to have our top five board games to play. This is a good one for you to listen to. If you are sitting around looking for games to play with your significant others, I think you're going to get some expert advice from Isaac, Cameron, and myself. We just hope that Jarrett created some form of a list. He's never picked up a board game before, and we know that he's not into those kinds of things. Jarrett, are you worried about your top five list? Um, I'm just thinking how many different forms of Monopoly I can put on here, but yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll get by. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Pokemon Monopoly, The Sopranos Monopoly, Jesus Monopoly. Yeah, we'll just try to all, try to get all those monopolies in right now. It'll be good. But let's hit nerd news first with our first big nerd news item is Venom 2. Venom call, being called Let There Be Carnage, the next double-meaning movie from the Sony-verse. We don't really know how they're connecting fully with the MCU, but they're promising that. Uh, it will have Woody Harrelson returning as Cletus Cassidy, and apparently he will be transformed into the deadly villain. And this is an interesting piece of news in this season as it appears, and we'll talk about this in a bit too, about movies getting canceled left and right. It feels like projects are being put on hold, but it this one was a little more in pre-production, so they're able to kind of streamline some things. Uh, Isaac, you are obviously one of our bigger Spider-Man fans. First of all, what did you think of Venom 1? And secondly, what is your reaction to this news? I've got mixed feelings. I am a large Spider-Man fan, as most of the Infinity Bros know. Venom 1 was one of those movies, it's kind of like a, it's a guilty pleasure movie. Like, it's not a good movie. It's just not. Like, the story is meh. The CGI is great, but... Tom Hardy's okay. Like, he's Tom Hardy, so, you know, it's it's fun to watch. But it's one of those things that you just put in on the background and you don't really have to pay attention to it because, you know, it's not that good. Um, so I think, I don't know if I ever officially rated the, you know, speaking of ratings, we should probably uh, plug our rating bumper right here. Yeah, I was thinking about plugging it, but then I asked the question. We're going to plug our rating bumper right here just in case you don't know how we rate things. Here on the Infinity Bros Podcast... Everything is ranked from a 0 to 6 point scale. 0 meaning horrible, and 6 meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a 6, it gets an Infinity Snap. Okay, alright, so I don't know if I officially rated the first one, but I would rate the first one like a 3.5. Not good, but definitely not a fan-fortastic. Um, 
you know, like it's not one of those movies like Fan Fantastic. I never want to touch again. I never want to watch again because it was so horrible and it just butchered the Fantastic Four. Um, Venom was enjoyable to watch. Not a good movie, but still an okay watch. So I would give that one a 3.5. This news kind of hurt me a little bit as a Spider-Man fan. Everyone, comic book fans all, all over the board, and even non-comic book fans know that Maximum Carnage is the best title that you could have went with. It's like the most famous Carnage run and they just, I think what Sony's trying to do, Sony slash Disney, whoever's coming up with the names, or Sony, sorry, this is Venom, sorry. Um, Sony is like trying to be that high school kid who is like seen, has like the black hair, um, and they want everybody <laughs> to know it. Like they they are trying to be edgy and they want everybody else to know that they're edgy, you know? So it's like they want to sit at the cool kids table. Right. They they like, just want everybody They see that to Disney like has Marvel. Right. And they they just want everybody to know that they're being different. So then they go with this name, which granted is not a terrible name. It's just not the obvious one that they let there be carnage. I'm okay with it, but it just isn't the is isn't the title you should have went with. You should have went with max, maximum carnage. It's just the obvious choice. Uh so yeah, mixed feelings. Some people raise their eyebrows over Andy Serkis getting a directing nod for the second one, Jarrett. I, I was actually, I'm intrigued by that decision. I don't know if it changes me personally wanting to go see this movie. But what is your reaction to Andy Serkis directing this? And are you on the same wavelength as Isaac right now with this Carnage name? Or, or are you excited about Cletus Cassidy finally getting a shot? And he's never been repri- he's never been reprised before by anybody. He's never been used as a character outside of cartoons. What are your thoughts on this? I think, okay, so Venom was such hot garbage that, like, I'm worried that them throwing Carnage into it is just going to be another horrible film. However, Morbius does look great, at least from the trailers that we've seen. Um, I do think that Andy Serkis has the chops to do something like this. Obviously, he's the guy who helped invent the field of mocap. Um, and I think him getting involved in this just means that, like, they might be able to take that CGI even to the next level beyond what it is now. Um, I'm, I'm not really hating this so much. I just wish that we saw more good things come out of the first one uh, to make us excited for the second one. That being said, this name is so unbelievably bad. Like, who in your marketing department was like, yeah, we can call it Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Like, total carnage, maximum carnage, absolute carnage. Literally anything but this would be a better way to go. It's it's not high on the list. That's for sure. I don't have I don't have an article on me. I don't have any proof. But is am I correct that this is a legal issue too? Like they, they there were only certain things they could say. Could they have used this or do any of us know that? I guess I could look it up later and and share that online. But as far as I'm aware, Sony owns the rights to all of Spider-Man's characters, so I think they should be able to use like Maximum Carnage as Carnage is you know a Spider-Man villain, obviously. I, I don't know the specifics on that, but I did hear that rumor that it was some type of legal issue. Not not able to confirm nor deny if that is true. It just sounds so bad that I wonder if Sony just... It, I don't think Sony is that dumb. Maybe they are. Cameron, Tom Hardy's coming back to play this role in, in, in this movie again. He's going to be Eddie Brock in Venom. Did you see Venom? What was your rating? What's your, what's your reaction to this news, man? I did not see Venom. Praise um, the Lord. You're good yeah, man. I 
it's one of those movies that I happily would have watched if like, like in the right setting. Like if you have a bunch of people, like a infinite amount of bros as an example, yep. um, and you just sit around and you kind of just tear apart the movie gladly would have watched it. Um, I like Venom as a character. It was in effects looked good. All of that. I just never didn't see it in theater. Never got around to it afterwards. Um, for this, I've made my stance on puns well known. Um, and this is pretty low hanging fruit. And so I, I'm not a huge fan of this title. I'm happy to see carnage on screen, I guess. It's like, going to be weird though. Cause like, like who, if you're looking for a fan cast of carnage, who in their right mind would have been like, Oh gosh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson is the guy we need for carnage. You know, like nobody, absolutely nobody would have picked him for that. So, but I don't, I don't hate it though. I know that's the weird thing is oddly enough. I don't think it's going to be awful. It's probably going to be another like, ugh, movie. Not great, but a fun one to watch. I'm, that's what I'll I'm never expecting. do as well as Topher Grace did as Venom. So, well, let me let me ask you, Cameron, because this is the stance I have. So I'm curious if this plays into your factor in thinking about this. Would you see this movie if you knew without a shadow of a doubt it was going to have a Spider-Man connection, say in Venom 1? Like, it would have had Peter Parker somehow engaged in the storyline. Would that have changed your perspective on it? If this t- actually, like, tied into the MCU and, like, Marvel wasn't so, like, adamant that it didn't, yeah, I'd, I'd be more likely to go see it. It might still end up being a, like, see it when it hits Netflix or whatever. But yeah, I, th- I think I have the same belief. I'm just, I, Isaac, I would tread towards the camp of like, and I've said this before on the show, but like, I, I do not want to see a Venom product without Spider-Man in it. And I know that we've talked about, I know Jerry, you brought up Morbius and Morbius in their commercials and trailers have obviously had some Easter eggs saying, Hey, Peter Parker is going to be in this. Maybe, there's a reality shift. Maybe, I don't know. There's some kind of weird thing that happens for him to be in this universe now. I just need to know without a shadow of a doubt going into this movie that that character is going to be engaged with these characters. On top of it, I think this movie has to connect to the MCU for it to make a difference to me. The numbers said differently last year when it made a significant amount of money in the box office. I just am with you, Cameron. I just don't even have any interest in seeing this movie the the title is bad, but Venom One the concept was bad to me, and I've heard other people say it was good or bad, and I've heard a lot of bad over good. I mean, was what I would try to say with Venom, and I, this just does not interest me, especially as we watch the MCU evolve into something new and unique. And I don't, I don't know if I want bad comic book movies in my here's life right an, now, but I don't know. Interesting we'll... tidbit for you, Max. So you mentioned that uh, Morbius looks like it has some Easter eggs with potentially MCU Spider-Man. Um, with all of the delays that were going on, there was a point, and now this has changed, So, and this is all just rumors anyways, but there was a point where Spider-Man 3, Venom 2, and Morbius were all supposed to come out in like a two-month span. Like it was very all close together. And there was... Just and obvious, it's all rumors because all of these Morbius is more complete than any of either of these other ones. But um, there, there was speculation that they could be doing some kind of like tie-in with all three of them together. And now, of course, that news—I'll uh, talk about it later um, in the show. But 
uh, Spider-Man Three is now moved delayed back again. So, but that is just a little little interesting tidbit. And if that is possible, that Morbius has some MCU tie-ins, why not Venom Two? I, you know, there's no reason for it not to be in there. So, and I, I, I was with you on that. Like, I think a Venom story with Spider-Man in it is essential, but we have one without it, and it's it's there. That's what I'll say about it. So, um, well, and I think, and here's maybe the difference I would tell you is with Joker, the movie Joker came out. I was tooting the same kind of message. What changed my perspective on it was hearing Thomas Wayne will be engaged in this movie. To me, that right. isn't a spoiler. That's them saying he is engaged in the right. universe. This is an Elseworld story. Yeah, and that he exists. Like, I mean, Venom doesn't even acknowledge that Peter Parker or Spider-Man exists. Exactly. That's the problem. That's the problem. And Sony, they could have been creative with that. I think they could have done more. I really think that. Yeah, I, I don't know about that because they maybe had some uh, legal things going on with uh, Disney at the time because of their contract. But now that that's all redone, it sounds like all the rumors I've been hearing is that the MCU and Sony are trying to work together to get a bigger, uh, more you know diverse contract together for the Spider-Man characters. So, you know, I think at this point, anything is possible. It sucks that we had Venom and that it was so bad but moving forward i'm hoping for more yeah that was that's crappy news let's get some good news here's some good news for you guys our pawnee pals from the parks and rec department are coming back this news comes from tvline.com the cast of parks and recreation will reunite for a one-off scripted special to raise money for food banks during the coronavirus uh crisis tv line tv line has learned that the half hour special titled a parks and recreation special that's a, what a great speaking of bad titles that's a bad title i give that a two out of six at least it's not let there let there be parts, of parks <laughs> yeah and let there let there be parks and recreation no thank you yuck that's a terrible title um it's gonna feature amy poehler nick offerman rashida jones aziz ansari adam scott rob lowe chris pratt uh aubrey Bla- aubrey plaza retta jim o'hare and several guest stars from the Parks and Recreation universe, we'll call it, will be making their entrance in this. I'm just going to go out right out the gate and give this a 6 out of 6. This is some of the best news I've heard during this COVID season. How more networks are not figuring out how how or why to do this is beyond me. I, I just cannot believe this. The money raised will go to Feeding America's COVID-19 Response Fund. We will include a link on that to the show notes if you want to check that out. Uh, make sure you go check out. Jared, I'm going to start with you because I know you're a Parks and Rec fan. What is your reaction to this and what's your rating of this news? Max Mosier, this is literally the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> I give this a, yes. a 6.9995652 out of 6. I know I've gone past 6, but I don't even care. This is literally the best news. I I think this is the way to do it too, right? Like trying to bring back The Office or Parks and Rec as a full series right now would be so messy and I don't know that it would have the same, it it wouldn't strike the same chord as the original series have done for us. But I think bringing them back for a special, enjoying that together uh, is something that we all can appreciate. And I think these one-offs or even like, um, a special here and there is the way to go with this. I am so excited. And obviously it's for a good cause too. So who can't support that? Cameron, are you a Parks and Rec fan? If so, what's your reaction to this news? I love Parks and Rec. Um, as a series, I think it 
as a whole series, I'll, I'll say it that way. I think it is one of the best sitcoms we've had in recent years. Um, it does take a little bit to get off um, and get going, but in terms of how it keeps the story going, it keeps the pace, has probably one of the best final seasons and finales in sitcoms. I agree. Um, I would agree with that, actually. Like, I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited that they're bringing back so many of the cast. Like, this seems like the right way to do this kind of thing. And I'm I'm super excited for this to be, like, tongue-in-cheek. Like, getting to see the, those takes on what's going on. Um, yeah, they need, to, they need to make this an hour. Yeah. Right? Sure. I hope so. Yeah. It I, says half I, hour, I but they got to so. go an hour, I think. Half, half hour just seems too short. Isaac, what do you think, man? Six out of six. Love this news. Parks and Rec and The Office are my two favorite comedy shows. And I I go back and forth on which one I enjoy better, basically, on how I'm feeling. But I think Cameron nailed it. Parks and Rec is a much better complete show, just with kind of the break in The Office when Michael Scott leaves. It just kind of busts up a little bit of the of the story in that one. But, man, with with uh, the amazing cast in this one. It's the literal star-studded cast. Uh, it is going to be fantastic, and I cannot wait for, for this re... re I don't know what you call it. Re- reimagining? No, re... Reunion? Reunion. There you go, Jarrett. There it was. I was looking for it, and Jarrett nailed Brought it. it home. Reunion. Gosh. Literally the best answer Literally I've ever heard, Jarrett. Yes. I'm so excited for this. Um, Isaac... Do you even play Fortnite anymore? I do not, but I keep up with it. I try to anyways. 12 million people were playing Fortnite on Thursday night, and they weren't really playing and killing each other. They were watching a virtual concert. I'm checking out an article from CNN.com. Travis Scott debuted his new song and new album, Astronomical, with the wildly popular online video game Fortnite, and it attracted a record audience for Fortnite. 12.3 million concurrent players participated in live in Travis Scott's Astronomical. It was an all-time record for Fortnite. I don't know if it's an all-time record for like all video games, but at least for the Fortnite realm, they are counting that as a record-breaking performance. Obviously, on this show, it feels like we've been, for the last year, we always seem to get a Fortnite story sneaking in here. Um, Isaac, I want to start with you, just because I know you're not playing it. As an outsider watching in, how what do you think of this event? Do, do you think we could see, especially in this COVID season, more debuts usually utilizing the medium of video games? Or is this the nearby, nearby future with Twitch and the emergence of streaming? Is this something we're going to see more? with platforms and mediums like Fortnite. Fortnite does a amazing job at drawing people into their game. All of us Infinity Bros can attest to this. I mean, we played the heck out of Fortnite, and I think the year was 2018. And then, you know, like any other video game, it kind of faded away for a few of us. But they always have something new coming out that brings me back time and time again, whether it's character skins, whether it's uh, amazing events like this, it is just incredible what the, the people over at Epic games are doing with Fortnite. And this is no exception. Like this is amazing that they were able to pull this kind of event off. And this is what they've become known for is these awesome like events that everybody's participating in at the exact same time online, which is something that is, you know, it's, 
it's really hasn't been done. And it's just the way they're doing it is they're just doing it so well, even though it's the first time really that anything like this has been done. So it's just it's just crazy that that they're able to keep capturing, even though they're really not I mean, they're not changing the gameplay a whole lot. It's the same game. Uh they're just adding you know, special things to it that just keep people's interest. Um, and Jared, I know you'll have probably more to say on that, but yeah, I just, I just, this is, um, one of the craziest things. And I I was actually participating in one of the events that they had the, which was similar to this one, the marshmallow concert that was probably over a year ago now. And it's, it's crazy. Like you have your whole people in the map that you're in a hundred people are dancing around at this concert online altogether, like virtually enjoying a concert. And this time I believe it was a live concert. I think it actually the marshmallow one was live too. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just nuts that this is, this is the point that we've come to as, you know, as a technology culture, it's just so crazy. And, and like you said, Max, this is, I mean, with the quarantine going on and so many more people probably tuning into this, like this is just another win for Epic games for sure. Cameron, 125 million people play this game. Are you one of them? I am not. I've very briefly played Fortnite, um, but competitive only games aren't really my thing. Um, but I really like what they did with this concert. I think it's really, it is cool that it is not just a concert going on while you play. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was definitely one of those things that like, as I was watching clips of it, that kind of stood out to me, like, that's a really good way to do it. It's this like giant event in the sky, like the ground falls out at one point and people start like swimming and stuff like that. Like it was a really cool way to do that. And I, to what y'all have already said, like, I think it's really cool to see how Epic is using this medium as a way of doing a concert versus trying to replicate a real life concert in a video game. I play Fortnite. A lot, actually. I would not ever consider going to one of these things just because, like, concerts and this type of... Rap music's good, but I think with Travis Scott, I'm like, whatever, I'm indifferent to him. This is pretty impressive. I saw some clips of this, and I would agree with you, Cameron. What they were doing with the screen was remarkable, and the things they were doing in that game were unbelievable to watch. Jarrett, what are your thoughts on this, man? Uh, I'm not going to go too long because you guys have kind of already said all the things that I'm, I'm thinking here, but, like, they they do such a good job of staying relevant past the point where like you would think that they would die out. I mean, there's the whole mech versus Godzilla fight that they had a while back, obviously the marshmallow concert. And then again with this, I'm not a huge Travis Scott fan. So, I mean, I I frankly could care less, but I think whoever's making the business decisions over at Epic games, like, man, that person needs a promotion and then some, because I've said it before and I'll say it again, right? This game was originally just save the world. Like, it was just this zombie uh, tower defense style game. And then somebody was like, let's add this Battle Royale mode. And when they saw that that was becoming so successful, they pivoted all their strength into promoting that. And they've done such a good job, like, never stumbling, never falling short. Obviously, like, they've had lulls here and there, but they just refuse to quit. And I think that kind of mentality, um, you can't really hate on that because they're just doing so well for themselves and so much for, like, uh, the future of video games and what we see coming out of them. So yeah, I, I, as much as I could care less about this specific concert, I think the whole idea behind this uh, is really something positive that we can look towards. Finally, one more kind of negative piece of news in regards to COVID, the MCU moves its dates. There's significant release dates that have been reshuffled, 
Black Widow has moved to November 6, 2020. Eternals has moved to February 12, 2021. Shang-Chi has moved to May 7, 2021. Pretty surprising that they put that in a what a lot of people would call a blockbuster sp- spot. Uh, the untitled Spider-Man 3 uh, uh, movie. Time out real quick. What do you think the, the new Spider-Man movie is going to be called? Right? What, what do you think it's going to be called? Real quick. Take a guess. Homeward Bound. Homeward Bound? Okay. Yeah, buddy. We've got, we've got Homecoming. I think it's going to be... We've got Far From Home, Homeward Bound. I think it's going to be something like Homeless because of the way that the last one ended. Like, it's going to be about him being lost. Um, not like in a in a literal sense of him being homeless but like he's kind of rudderless at the end of obviously everything post uh yeah far from home i I just think that it's gonna embody that a little bit more yeah i think it maybe similar to that like it i think it'll have to do with him being a like wandering or being on the run um and like i hope it's not something like no home or something like that but um i think homeless is like something closer to that idea would be better, but like, I just can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I think that that'll definitely be the feel that they'll go for is him having to find a new home after being outed as Spider-Man. Yeah. The homeless bit seems like it's kind of the way to go with this. So that'll come November 5th, 2021. That'll be from Sony. Thor love and thunder would be February 11th, 2022. Dr. Strange Two: multiverse of madness would be March 25th, 2022. This also would end MCU's Phase 4, apparently. Black Panther will be on May 8th, 2022. And Captain Marvel 2 will be on July 8th, 2022. I can tell you right now that 2022 is going to be a crazy year. But obviously, we we all have opinions on... I think we all have the same opinion on we're moving dates further. It's just the, the reality with COVID. The big switch here, though, is Spider-Man leapfrogging Doctor Strange and Thor... Do we think this has to align kind of with what you alluded to earlier, Isaac? Do you think Sony and Marvel kind of have this plan to go together and work together in this? Or do you think Sony's just kind of being stubborn and saying, we're making this movie no matter what either way. You're producing it, obviously, but we want you to get it out earlier. What do you think it is? This is totally me just spitballing, but maybe it has something to do with the production. Like it's already got more production than those other two shows do. I I honestly don't know, but it seemed it seemed odd that it moved after both venom 2 and uh morbius even though they're sony movies obviously um had moved to be closer to it but you know that's just the way it goes and and that it, we'll see how everything shakes out it's a bummer that all these are delayed but like you said max like there's nothing really anybody can do about it so jared i know you're weeping over the black cat movie not being put in here or the aunt may movie not being put in here <laughs> But uh, what do you think about this move to put Spider-Man over Doctor Strange and Thor? I think it has more to do with the relationship between Marvel and Sony here than it does anything else. Um, I, I do think that there's some sort of play, whether it's uh, Sony trying to push their business a little bit more or if it is a collaboration here. But um, it, it's interesting to note that even though they're pushing a lot of this stuff back, um, at least with these movies and Disney+, Plus, it seems like they're also releasing more information about them. Uh, kind of like, hey, we know that you're frustrated, we're frustrated, but here's some good things to look forward to. I know personally, right, they just released uh, some more news on Moon Knight coming up, and they they gave a, an official synopsis and all that. So 
I think even though it sucks that they're moving them around, they're not forgetting us and they're still trying to say like, hey, we understand where you're coming from. We understand that you're frustrated. Here's what we got. Cameron, are you going to go see all these MCU movies or are some just not looking appealing to you on this list? I'll probably end up going seeing all of these in theater. Um, Thor Love and Thunder is probably my most hyped at the moment. Um, I, I love Jane Foster's Thor. I am I was super sad with how they did that character dirty. Um, and basically I thought that meant we would never be able to get that character, but I'm excited that we're going to actually get that now. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for all of these. Shang-Chi, like you alluded to earlier, is kind of the odd one out. Like that's a character that's not huge or not well known. So I'm hoping that they'll do that character justice and kind of put them like on the big screen, basically like they did with Iron Man. Do you think Jane Foster, when they were putting that together, do you think that was Taika Waititi pushing it for Thor 3? Or do you think that was Kevin Feige going, no, we got a plan here. We're going to come back to you later. We're just going to kind of get rid of you for a little bit during this season. We can't really fit you into the storyline of Infinity War and Endgame. Wasn't it Natalie Portman saying that she didn't want to work with them anymore? I mean, it could be, but do you? Th- but I, I guess my question is, do you think Kevin Feige was the one that initiated that, or was it Taika Waititi? I definitely think Taika taking over Thor 4 played a very big part in Natalie Portman coming back. Okay. However, that like conversation was initiated, I think like him being given those reins and showing what he can do with Ragnarok and kind of showing how it's taking that. Cause like Thor dark world is from most accounts, the worst, if not the worst, like it's definitely that bottom. Not barrel. by Jared's account, but you know, special effects are great on that movie, but yeah, he loves that stuff. But no, I, I think I'd agree with you, Cameron. I'm just curious because I feel the same way you, I felt exactly the same way you felt, especially when that comic line came out with, um, Oh, crud, I'm forgetting the uh, original Sin. When original Sin had come out in that line, and that's kind of what started all of that, it was really great to see Jane Foster kind of get that front and center. And that was one way that I was like, hey, the comic universe is propelling people of color and women in a correct way. And so I'm excited for that. I also think she can, I think Natalie Portman can handle this role, and it's really exciting. So I think I'm with you, Cameron. I was just curious just because that's, I, I wonder, I wonder how much power is in with Kevin Feige or Taika Waititi in that. Cause I, I think it was one. I don't think it was both. Um, I think somebody along the line had to come along and go, well, this is what we're doing. So let's move on to hot or snot. This is where we talk about the things in pop culture that are relevant to us today. It could be new, could be old. It's just based off of what we do and what we like. So we're going to start with Jarrett. Jarrett, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to start with my snot first. Uh, and this one isn't a, it's not a huge snot, but it definitely is uh, a snot nonetheless. So, they just announced some of the new features that's going to be in Chimera Squad, which is the new update for XCOM 2. Hey. Um, if, you're, if you've been fans of the Infinity Bros back when we were still uh, the off-topic gamers and even a little bit into the Infinity Bros, you know that we love the XCOM series. Um, Chimera Squad is such a weird one to me because uh, it kind of breaks away from the traditional XCOM formula. And I think... I think there was a way to do this maybe as a standalone game. Uh, if you don't understand, the whole premise premise of XCOM is uh, you're hunting down these aliens that are trying to take over the world. And Chimera Squad takes this idea of the turn-based system uh, where you build your squad, you, you really personalize them, and there's all this like uh, maintaining of the squad that has to take, take place and really sanitizes it and cleans it, but not in a good way. Uh, it kind of takes all the complexity out and makes your choices really feel meaningless at least from what we've seen from the early previews 
And I just, I don't like the feel for what they went with. I think there was a better way to do this. And I think based off of the early reviews and the gameplay that we've seen, it just kind of falls short from all the things that I want from XCOM. I think if you were going to do this this way with a set squad and the way that they're doing it, they should have made it like a, a first person shooter or something more different than it is now. Um, so I'm giving this news a uh, two out of six. It's not the worst thing, but it's definitely not something I'm interested in anymore. Um, as far as my hots go, I got around to seeing 1917. It's been one that's been on my list for a very, very long time. And I finally sat down and I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and watch this. Holy cow. Um, that is a visual feast is the only way I can describe it. And I know that we've been praising it here on the Infinity Bros for quite some time. I give this movie a six out of six every time. I was nervous with how the one shot approach would would feel. Um, I was like, man, especially with him uh, trying to cover all this distance, is there going to be points where it just lulls and there's nothing? There's always something on screen from these war torn battlescapes uh, to the French countryside, um, the hauntingly beautiful uh, singing that occurs at the end. Every single second of this movie kept me invested, and it is so incredibly well done. If Sam Mendes puts out anything after this, I am there in the theater, first opening night. This movie was so, so good. Um, yeah, anything to add on that, guys? Because I cannot, like, if you let me talk, I will go all day about this movie. No, I, I haven't seen 1917, and, and it's been one we've talked about. I mean, Robbie's obviously talked about it on previous episodes. This is one that I have circled on my list. I just have not gotten around to it. It's with Parasite, which is on Hulu right now too. So I'm, I'm with. I'm really excited to hear you say this. This is what everybody's been saying, right, Jarrett? Like everybody's been saying it's a visual. Feast. Absolutely, and, and and there were so many, there were so many points at this where I was like, man, if this isn't done well, it it, it will ruin the whole experience for me. But it really runs the gambit of just like absolutely horrifying, devastating scenes to like. Some of the most emotional beats, the action isn't lacking, but it's not done in a way where it's gratuitous or feels out of place. It really is like a, a storytelling device, the whole way that it's shot and the way that it's scripted. I cannot talk about this movie enough. It is so, so good. Um, and another hot of mine is, uh, I, as you guys know, I've been really into Marvel Champions and I recently, because my birthday is this week, I got myself some packs, some new packs for the game. And when I cracked open the case, uh, I was looking through the stuff, and one of the names on the playtesters is my good friend Ethan Wickstrom. Um, so I'm I'm hotting that news as much as I can because it's cool to see a good friend of mine uh, put in so much time and effort into a product that he cares about, uh, doing the playtesting and giving his reviews, and then seeing him his name listed officially on these packs is just it's a really cool feeling. Uh, it's, it's, it's just an incredible game and it was cool to see him get the respect that he deserves for his participation in that. So that is my hot and snot for this week. I'll go next. I've got a, I've got a somewhat big list, but here we go. Uh, I'm going to start with my snot. The NFL draft, uh, happened this week and uh, I'm going to actually give a six out of six to the NFL draft with how they did it. I thought they did a great job. I actually think it's going to be really hard moving forward for the NFL draft to go back to the way it was because I think it was way more smooth the way they did it this weekend, but I don't want to talk about that part. What I want to talk about is the NFL draft basically asking people for donations for COVID, 
And they did a matching program um, that I think is great. And, and matching funds is always a really great way to fu- raise funds. And I I don't necessarily poo-poo that. I, I guess for me right now, I would have liked to see the NFL come out with a little bit more of a strong, hey, we are donating X amount of money, and now we're going to match things. And they kind of didn't announce that they were matching things until day two. And I felt like that was a botched opportunity. And I feel like the NFL, of all people, and these major sporting um, organizations need to be doing more than asking for other other people for money. It's kind of like Amazon going out there and asking for donations. Do I think there's like a number that I think the NFL should be giving? Absolutely not. Not implying that, nor am I saying that with Jeff Bezos. But what I am saying is, as a big organization, company conglomerate that has significant funds in this time, I would highly suggest you be careful with how you do that. And to me, it felt like a marketing opportunity that they were taking advantage of because obviously the NFL draft had 15.7 million people watching it, according to ESPN.com, which is a record for for that. So that's something I just wanted to snot on the side. Am I being unfair? Do you guys have any comments on that? It's kind of more of a serious thing, so I'd love to give you guys perspective or opportunity. I think that's actually a very good uh, summary of what I was feeling too. Um, I saw a stat somewhere this weekend that said that the NFL takes in I think last year it was like $16 billion in revenue. Like, if you can't give some of that up to, you know, donate to a good cause, especially if you're doing this matching thing and you're raising funds and stuff like that, just, I don't know, it just doesn't come off uh, well. So I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And they fundraised $100 million. So, like, I'm not poo-pooing that number that they fundraised that. I think the point I'm trying to make is, Hey, you should come out a little more transparent that you're matching on the front end. Maybe that's all. Yeah, throw throw your weight behind it because otherwise it does seem like just kind of taking advantage of this opportunity to kind of point the finger back at yourself. You know what I mean? That's exactly what they no. That's that's what they did. They had a side stream with like famous actors and video and video game people and athletes come on, and that was kind of like an entertaining thing to do on the side for people who don't like the NFL draft, and they just kind of talked about it. And I just felt like it was I, – I, it felt in bad taste. Just do the NFL draft, slap the thing to give on the bottom, and say, hey, we are matching. Say that from the minute the draft starts. Don't start that on day two, which is when they did. And just as a sports fan, it, it felt it, – it just doesn't feel right. It's kind of how I'd put it. The other snot I have is Sony's plan, and we're sticking a lot to the Spider-Man theme today, but before Sony and and Marvel came to the agreement, um, Sony had been attempting to lay the groundwork for the Sinister Six we remember in the previous Spider-Man franchise. It appears that they're going with the same route, and I have a quote here, actually, um, from Dane DeHaan. Uh, speaking with Clyde this week, he said, I think it's pretty obvious that we are setting, we were setting up for a Sinister Six kind of situation, and there certainly was talk of doing all that before Disney and Marvel stuff happened. But I can't tell you I know specifically what it's what it was going to do. I just know that there definitely would have been a six, Sinister Six element to it, and you know at least the Goblin, if not Harry Osborn, would have been involved. And right now, I'm getting the vibe that Sony is trying to do that again, and I caution them strongly unless Kevin Feige is telling them to do that to not do it leave it alone <laughs> it has to be done thing. right but yeah, it's villain just... pair-ups like movies where you just jump into having to know all the characters at once work so well i think for me it's it's a, it's a great joke cameron but i think for me it's just driving me nuts that like the spider-man universe has so many characters how are you not leaning into those guys first right how are you not like trying if, if you are really all in on venom and carnage 
then you need to go all in on Venom and Carnage and not care about Spider-Man if that's the route you want to take. I don't think it's the route you want to take, but they're trying to do both of these things. And I just, I feel like it's bad taste and I feel like it's a really, really poor decision. Isaac, the Sinister Six has been on Sony's mind all the way back since Andrew Garfield was Spider-Man. Like that was... No, no, no. It's been on their mind since since you go to Hollywood... I mean, I'm not sorry, not Hollywood Studios. You go to Universal Studios in Florida and you go on the Spider-Man ride, and they have the Sinister Six on there. That that ride dates back to the 90s, the Spider-Man bro. ride is based on the comics, though. It's not based on books. No, no, no. no, no. I'm sorry. Well, it's, car- about- it's based on the Spider-Man cartoon. But, but the point I'm making is they've been trying to sell Sinister Six to us for decades. Yeah, and that's just that's just Yeah, it's because they're great that's villains. Marvel, and they're, it is a team of great villains. But I'm saying live action, this Sinister Six idea has been go- going on for quite a while. And obviously, if Sony had actually done it back then it probably would have been terrible here's what here's the interesting thing marvel mcu the disney mcu has put together some great spider-man villains already and i would not be mad if they included those villains in the mcu for a sinister six does that include morbius and venom probably not because sony and disney probably will never get their ish figured out Um, And it's probably better that way because, who knows, it would probably be a mess if it happened. But they already have some great villains. Like, Michael Keaton was amazing as Vulture. He's still around. Mm -hmm. And and he actually made a little cameo in the Morbius trailer, which is why we're thinking there's some links, you know, going on between the MCU and Sony's uh, universe. Uh, but yeah, I think it could happen, and I think it could be good if it's if it's done well with the MCU villains that they've already set up. So I'm not poo-pooing the Sinister Six, but I'm glad it's in better hands now than it would have been 15 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was when uh, the Amazing Spider-Man movies came out. Can I just say, like, giving? So obviously, you guys talked about it. Was it last episode or the episode before where Sam Raimi is in charge of? Um, it was last episode. Okay. So if you give Sam Raimi, put him in the MCU in charge of Craven's Last Hunt with all of his horror background, oh my gosh, that is the movie we need right now. There's so many rumors going on that Spider-Man 3 is going to be Craven. I want it to be true so bad. That's the, that's the build up to Sinister Six that we need. Yeah, and I I just feel like they're streamlining it and the fact that they're just talking about it. Yeah. This article was written on Sunday. Uh, last week the, the fact that they're even talking about it just scares the crap out of me i'm like let take your doggone time you're doing it right slow down stop everybody needs to stop trying to make avengers endgame it took 10 years for them to make and to cameron's point if sony had done it that's what it exactly what it would have been is just a sinister six movie no backstories for any of the characters and it would have been exactly awful. yeah cameron nailed it he nailed it um, I'll get into some hot, some good things. Um, we just finished Friday Night Lights. If you haven't watched the show, you can check it out on Amazon and, and uh, IMDb TV. Actually, it's kind of an obscure thing, but you can you watch it for free on there. Um, this show is amazing. I, the thing I love about this show um, is the football is terrible and terribly acted and terribly coordinated. Um, but I do really, really enjoy the characters of this show. Uh, Tammy and Coach Taylor are the greatest married couple in the history of TV. I don't care what anybody says. I love that relationship. Um, I love the humor in it. Uh, it's the perfect amount of cheesy drama. 
um, the perfect amount of state championship wins, the perfect amount of failure. <laughs> uh, it's written by the people who did This Is Us, too. So there we go. Let's just go ahead and plug that show while we're here uh, as well. Uh, there's there's the S Is Us. Uh, yeah, you need a This Is Us plug every time. If Mark's not here to do WWE, somebody has to talk about This Is Us. The other hot I would talk about is The Last Dance. This is the documentary that's coming out about Michael Jordan right now. Part one and part two were a week ago. By the time this gets published, part three and part four will be released. This is the highest of sixes I can give. This documentary is what we need right now um, to just pro- provide perspective and background to the greatest basketball player to ever play the game um, in what is a story that I had zero information on. Um, I didn't know all these details about these guys. I didn't know that, for instance, Scottie Pippen was one of the least paid players in the NBA. He was like 122nd ranked in his 98 season basically like he had won all these championships and had agreed to a significantly large large contract at the beginning of his career not knowing how much he needed to actually evaluate his talent um this is just a great documentary whether you like basketball or not obviously Michael Jordan and the Bulls are iconic um if you love basketball this is a watch it asap don't hold back it does have swearing if you're watching it on ESPN. You can watch it without swearing on ESPN too, but uh, highest of sixes. Has anybody else watched this yet? I haven't, but I've heard lots of good things about it. It is on my list. This is unbelievable. Go watch it. So, All right, let's go ahead and transition over to our man, Cameron. So um, the snot I was going to do, Jarrett ended up taking, and that's XCOM Chimera Squad. We kind of talked about it on the Discord, um, and I don't have a, a ton more to add, um, but I was definitely looking forward to it, but... It, it seems like with the changes that they're making to the XCOM formula, them not sticking those changes is going to kind of just be something that kind of just makes this game a pass. But um, for hot, and this is a six out of six hot for me, um, Avatar The Last Airbender is returning to Netflix on May 15th. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so there's also the live action on the way as well from the original show creators. Um, but I'm really excited to have this back. I have it on Blu-ray. It was a going away gift um, for, from some friends. And so like, it's kind of weird that I might just re-binge this on Netflix, even though I have the Blu-rays. But, you know. It happens. Um, but it's such a good series. Um, it's a really good cast. It, it's, it's one of those shows and the sequel, Legend of Korra. They tackle a lot of issues and handle them very well, which I think is one of the things that's always been really impressive. Like, it's a kid's show that isn't made just for kids. Yes. So, Anything else for you, Cameron? Yeah, I got, I got, um, y'all have talked about the past couple weeks. I just want to s- jump in and say, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII I'm, Remake. Yeah. It's amazing. What's your rating of it? I'm in chapter 16 right now. Um, so I don't want to give like a final rating. Yep. Um, but I would definitely give it at least a five right now. Mm-hmm. Can I ask, did um, you play the original? I've played, so I've played through the Midgar section of the original. Okay. I, I don't remember how much further past that I've gotten, but I played it as like the PS1 classic on PS3. So I didn't play it as it came sure, out. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Um, and so a lot of it, like I remember story points, but it's not one of those stories that's like super ingrained. And so I'm really enjoying um, kind of coming at it with pretty much fresh eyes. Yeah, that's fair. So, and it is a very different story from the original that I think it can be appreciated in a different light. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some weirdness in terms of like pacing stuff. That's it's not bad, but it's definitely things that like this was supposed to be hour nine of a forty hour RPG, 
but because of the remake, it's our 20 something. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, there's definitely some weird stuff there. And like, I think it works out and they do it well. It's just kind of interesting when those happen. And then, um, my last hot, um, Ikoria, the latest magic, of the gathering set. Oh, it's all about these crazy beasts and monsters and you're mutating stuff. It's a ton of fun. Um, and I love the themes. I love the the sense of the world that they've given us with these, like, they're not like necessarily like abominations, but these really weird takes on their creatures from the Magic the Gathering world. So big shout out to that. Can I ask what you think about the new companion mechanic? I know we're getting a little off track here, but I've heard some some hot takes one way or the other, and I'm kind of curious what you think. Yeah, it it turns out that when you give somebody the ability to have an eighth card, um, an extra card over their opponents, that's really it's good. good. Um, it also, there's a lot of like play test things that seem to have been missed. And so I'm, I'm kind of down on it in that regard. Um, as a mechanic, I'm not, I wasn't a fan when it was first spoiled. You can kind of hear some of my takes on that on, on my podcast and the way that they've played out. Um, it's, it's played out to where they're evil, either awful or they're amazing and possibly broken. So. Anything else for you, Cameron? Nope, that's that's all from me. Nice, man. Isaac, why don't you close us out? When are we going to change our name to the Off-Topic Podcasters? Because I feel like our Off-Topic Gamers handle fit us very well. And I just just think that even though we come up with this outline, we come up with this plan, we somehow get stuck on something for so long. And that just... Your guys' little tangent on magic just reminded me of that. So even though I, it's like we've all we've talked about this episode is Spider Man, seriously, and magic. That's all we talked about. <laughs> Sounds great to me. I see no problem with this. That's awesome. It's like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I've I've got a smaller list. Um, I'll start with my hots. Uh, Clone Wars, uh, season seven has been going on at Disney Plus, Disney original. If you guys have not uh, watched the whole Clone Wars show, you need to do that. It is a little funky. The just the it doesn't it doesn't run in chronological order, so it's kind of a weird one to watch. But it gets just better and better and better as the seasons go on. And this season has been very very good. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it the best season so far, but it's it's priming up to be one of the best, if not the best. Um, it's so we're in the 10th episode is the latest one that just came out um, yesterday, I believe. And it was, um, man, okay. Nine and 10 have been some of the best episodes in the whole show, in the whole seven seasons of the Clone Wars. Up to that point, it was kind of like a, a good but not great season. But these last two episodes have been fantastic, and I'm super excited to see um, them cap off the show with assuming the um, execution of Order 66. So really excited about the Clone Wars. If Again, if you guys have not watched this show, you need to get into it because this last season is there's some bonkers stuff going on right now. Um, my next hot. Yeah, it's on our list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like we've been trying to make our way through it and there's a lot to get through for us if you, since you like haven't seen it. but I, I totally get that. And it is weird to watch through it because you want to do it in chronological order, but it's not set up that way. So you just have to like dig and do a lot of work if that's the way you want to do it. I actually watched it just in the show order, not in chron- chronological order. And 
I still love it, but yeah, it is a little confusing when you jump back to an episode that happened a long time ago and you're like, wait, what is going on again? Um, but yeah, anyways, Clone Wars season seven is great. Definitely go check that out. I just ordered a Elgato capture card, which I'm super pumped for because me and Max are hopefully going to be playing some uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 on stream on Saturday, if I can get it all. All the kinks all worked out for our 24-hour stream. Um, Something that's been on my list for a long time and finally just got around to being able to do it. And again, this is something that I'm pumped for. I see Jarrett with all these super cool uh, layouts and face cam stuff on our our Twitch stream. Um, If you guys want to go check that out it's at twitch.tv slash the underscore infinity underscore bros we're having an awesome 24-hour stream that we'll talk about in a little bit here but i'm super psyched to be able to play some switch games on stream finally so yeah it'll be it'll be really cool um just have one snot and we already touched on it so i won't go deep into it but that's spider-man being delayed again i feel like i talk about spider-man just every episode so so that's no different. Here we go. Spider-Man delayed. Uh, MCU, it was delayed uh, November 5th, 2021. And actually, what I'm really bummed about is the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse has also been delayed to October 7th, 2022. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse is my favorite movie of all time. So it's so good. It's so good. So good. And I, I was really bummed to hear this news. But again, it's you know we already talked about it. It's something that can't be avoided with all the covid stuff going around it's a bummer but that's just the way it is so so that was my only snot so that's what i got for you all right let's head into the top five the we're going in three infinity bros two top five one list starts now Every week we like to do a top five with a little water cooler talk, maybe talking about something we've talked about in a group chat, maybe something that's happening in the news today, or maybe helping a specific guest who we've had on feel a little more at home and welcome. And this week we have Cameron and we're excited to talk about board games as we look behind him. He has loads and loads of board games. Cameron plays board games. So we're going to do our top five board games for you today. And as the person who I feel like plays the least amount of board games, I'm going to go first to get my crappy list out of the way. And it's going to be a pretty, uh, well, I've got, uh, we'll see. Jarrett will mock me. Number five is Monopoly. I'm kidding. It's not Monopoly. <laughs> Say, we'll we'll fight. Um, number five is Stratego. This w- but which version of Monopoly? Oh, Pokemon Monopoly. If, I, if I'm choosing a Monopoly, I'm going Pokemon okay. Monopoly. Right. Good. My, my number five is Stratego. This is a uh, deep cut for my uh, kid self. Played this game a lot going to friends' houses. This this one, I just love this game, Stratego. Uh, I, I love playing this. This uh, One thing I love about this game is I played this a lot early on in my marriage with my wife. So this has a lot of uh, love there too. Uh, number four is Chess. This is a... Very old school game, obviously. Everybody knows this game, but I feel like it deserves a spot on the list. I feel like you can't talk about board games because I feel like you guys are going to have like all these obscure board games. Like, I was here, Dinosaur Island is a, a game. I don't even know what that game is. I don't even know what that. I've never even heard of that. Cameron's talking about, yeah, Dinosaur Island's on my shelf. And I'm like, I don't even know. So I had to make sure Chess got some love. Uh, number three, I have Flapjacks and Sasquatches. If you've never played this game, it's a great 15-minute game. Jared, have you played this game? I have. I've never even heard of that. This game came from Gil, my buddy Gil. Gil, Gil rocks. We're a big fan of Gil. He does. So, so Gil uh, 
came to my house a couple years ago and he said, have you played flapjacks and Sasquatches? Cause we were playing, um, settlers, which doesn't make my list actually. Um, and he said, have you played, have you played this game? I said, no, he's okay. I'm taking you out. We're going to go buy it. We got it for like 20 bucks. It was really cheap. Um, it's a stereotypical Minnesota Northern feel to a game. It's got Paul Bunyan guys. It's got pancakes and Sasquatches and all those kinds of things. Very quick, easy game. You can play it for 10 to 10 to 20 minutes. You actually can play it with your kids, Jared. You're, it's a great game. You could play with your kids. Maybe when they're just a smidge bit older, just a smidge bit older, just but a it's a great game. Nonetheless, it's a really, really small box. You could take it with you on the go. Great game. Flapjacks and Sasquatches. That's one of the ones on the list I would go try if I've never heard of it. Number two is DC Deck Builder. This one is a cornerstone of the Mosier House. Uh, Isaac and I have spent many hours together playing DC Deck Builder. Yeah, we have burned too much time in our life over DC Deck Builder. Um, and then number one, this was tough for me. Settlers, Settlers was like not on the list, but it was if if I'm going to give an honorable mention, which I'm not, I would say Settlers would be an honorable mention. <laughs> Because I hate honorable mentions, so I'm not going to do that. But um, I, number one for me is Killer Bunnies. My this man. is the greatest game to ever play. The You can have just the basic starter deck and have a great time. You can buy as many expansion packs as you want. Yeah, I would suggest you do it in the sequential order to, have the most, to get the most out of them. But Killer Bunnies is dynamite. I love this game. You will hate your significant other if you play this game with them. Do not play this one-on-one with your significant other. Make sure there's at least two other people to play this My game man. with you. So. My man. Many, many, many hours put into Killer Bunnies. Man. All right. Uh, so my top five board games. Number five, I have Munchkin. Um, just a really fun overall game. It is, you know, it's it's a simple one and also a little complex at the same time. Just it's got a lot of different versions you can play. I myself like the Marvel uh, three expansion packs that they have, um, but yeah, it's just just a really fun game and just kind of a chill one. You know, like it's one you can just casually play and not put too much thought into. Number four, I have Seven Wonders. I've been a pretty big strategy guy, um, mostly PC gaming growing up, but when it comes to strategy games, you know, board games, I'm I'm all in for that as well. And Seven Wonders is another one that is, it's it's a little bit more complex of a strategy game. I wouldn't, I'm I'm saying complex to the common mind. Uh, Cameron and Jared are behind me like, oh, complex. You want complex? You just wait until you get to my list. Uh, but if you're if you're not a board gamer, Seven Wonders is one of those games that makes you think and makes makes you, um, you know, pull out your your strategy cards and such. Um, but it's it's just really fun one to play, and it's it's one of those just classic ones for me. Number three, I have Pandemic, um, one of the first co-op games that I've ever played. Like even even um, video games too. I I was like a single game player pretty much my whole life growing up until because I never played online or anything like that. So when it came to Pandemic, it was just a whole new experience, like working together with your other gamers to beat the game instead of working against each other. So that's just a really fun one. Actually, ironically, my dad bought me Pandemic after all this started, and uh, he was just basically making a joke, you know. Um, But it was on my list, and I was like, thanks, Dad. I actually really wanted this game anyways. 
Um, I still don't know how he found it because I heard it was like sold out everywhere because of uh, this stuff going on. But Pandemic's really fun co-op game. If you're not into being competitive against other people, definitely check out Pandemic. Number two, I have Settlers of Catan, just a classic game that has all the expansions you can think of. If you're looking for something different rather than just the base game, you can pick up so many different expansions. Um, and this is just one that another, you know, it's a good, simple strategy game that almost everybody can get into. And it's just a good time whenever you get around to playing it. Um, and my number one is also Killer Bunnies, Max. I When I heard that, it made my heart so glad. Um, it's just it's just a really fun game. And this is one that it's it's really hit or miss. Like it's it's number one to me because it is very nostalgic. Like how many hours do you think we put into this game, Max, in college? Like hundreds, maybe thousands? Oh, hundreds. Potentially thousands. But man. And people have walked away from this game just devastated. Oh yeah. Devastated and just angry. Like just mad at the world. Like that so people that I play this game with, they they get angry the first couple times they play it because when they're learning, it's like this is a dumb game. How is this fun? And then they come back to me later and they're like, I actually want to play this game because I realized that it's really fun and I can't wait to play it again. So that's one that the Mosiers and the Edlins played many, many hours of together. And it made for many moments of uh, friendship and heartbreak as well. So, yeah, that's my top five board games. Jared, go ahead, buddy. For honorable mentions, I have Star Wars Legion. Um, this is one that has yet to hit my table um, just because it's a very complicated war game and I haven't had the chance to bust it out yet. But I've had an absolute blast painting the miniatures for it, so for that reason, it's on my honorable mentions. As well as Keyforge, which is another uh, Richard Garfield joint, if you're familiar with him as a Magic the Gathering designer, the original Magic the Gathering designer, uh, as well as Mystic Veil, vale, which is a, a just absolute blast of a deck builder. Um, but getting to my top five, number five is Scythe. Um, it is one that I have been wanting to buy for a very long time, but I've played it with friends. Uh, and it's it's kind of deceptively simple uh, on the surface, but it gets so, so much deeper as you play it. Um, just an absolutely fantastic game, a fantastic experience. It's not for the weak of heart. It does take quite a while to play, but uh, just a good one. Um, number four is X-Wing. Uh, I haven't played 2.0 yet, but I've played a, a lot of the first edition. And uh, this really gives you the feeling of playing Star Wars, flying around in your spaceships, uh, doing battle with uh, your friends. Number three is actually a series of board games. Uh, it's the Betrayal, Betrayal at House on the Hill, um, Betrayal at House on the Hill Legacy, Betrayal at uh, Baldur's Gate, which is the D&D version. And just announced is... Um, the Betrayal Scooby-Doo edition, which is uh, something that's quite interesting. So I like this whole mechanic of you don't really know who's on your side and they don't even know who's on whether they're on your side or not until the last possible moment. These more betrayal type games are, are really interesting to me. Um, number two is Magic the Gathering. Uh, this has been a card game that I've been steeped in since I was a wee little lad and I still continue to play it to this day. Um, I love it. I think it's continued to evolve and expand, and it's uh, constantly keeping me coming back. And number one, I've talked about it before, and I'm going to beat this dead horse till I die. Marvel Champions is the single best game that is ever made of all time, and you could argue with me 
till you're blue in the face, but this is the best game I've ever played. That's my top five. Cameron, you are our residential board game expert. Let's hear what the true top five is. So my honorable mentions, um, or mention singular, I guess. It's it's Dungeons and Dragons. My man. Wait, I don't know Um, if that counted, but... I love it. He's the expert, Jarrett. He, it's Sorry, it's yes. his it's his list. Let it live. Let me get okay? back to my box. Sorry. You painted a game without playing it, and you put it on your list. <laughs> Let him have this. That's fair. Good point. Good point. I mean, it's technically is a game, and it has you can have a board. There you go. So you know, it's it all depends on how you just define the terms. But my number five is unfair by Great Games Publishing. The idea is that all the players are rival theme park owners who are trying to become the only theme park in town. That's awesome. And <laughs> so you can do things like call in inspections to get your um, your opponent's rides shut down for a round. You can um, add more and more, like add accessories to your rides to try to make them more appealing to customers. Um, it, it, the game operates kind of like Smash Up, where you get different themes and like make a deck out of both of them. So there's pirates, um, westerns, aliens b-movies ninjas and you're kind of just putting all of these pieces together to make these theme parks and so it's a lot of fun my number four is roll for the galaxy by rio grand um it's a beautiful game lots of cool dice which i'm a sucker for and um the idea is that you are exploring the galaxy building up um basically your own empire um i really like it it's a pretty it's a pretty good introductory game, so it's it's not one that you have to be super steeped in how board games work to enjoy, but it definitely is a bit more complicated than most people are used to. My next one is Outlive by Le Butte de Jeux, um, which I probably massacred because I don't speak the language that name is in. Um, but it's a post-apocalyptic game where there is this roaming um, caravan, and you are trying to... Um, get on their good side so that they will take you out of this wasteland that you're living in. And so during the day you are fighting against your opponents for resources. Then at night um, you're trying to have to keep your people alive as you're in like this nuclear bunker. And so you're trying to keep things from going too poorly. My number two is vindication by orange nebula. Um, It's a great game about being washed up. Um, after being thrown overboard from a ship and you, you end up on this island and you basically have to um, redeem yourself and bring honor to your family. And um, it's a great game. You explore the board, you build it up. It's, it's a fantastic, very complex game. Lots of replayability, very cool art. And then my number one is Magic the Gathering. Um, kind of like Jarrett said, I, I think I started playing Magic when I was about 10. And then post-college, I really got back into it. And um, it's all about playing on Arena right now. It's where you can play for free, which is the best way to play Magic. Um, and so, um, and then in this time of COVID, been playing some online um, over like Skype and stuff. And so that's a lot of fun too. Sweet, great list, Cameron. Thank you so much for coming on our show and being with us today. It's so nice to put a face and an actual voice behind some some faces. Sometimes you see digitally. Very, very excited yeah. to have you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the invite. Will Glad you come, to be here. I think we're going to invite you back. Would you mind coming back, or did Jarrett scare you away? Oh, Jarrett and I can talk magic all the time. I know, I and know. So. I just, I have to, I have to razz him. I have to I razz him. I think Jarrett and Cameron scared me away when they were talking about magic, so. <laughs> so <laughs> Speaking gonna... of which, listeners can hear Jarrett and I talk hey. about magic. 
on my podcast. Yeah. You just beat so. me to my – you got to plug your show now. <laughs> you, you just stole my thunder. All right. Here we go, Cameron. I want you to plug your show for the people listening. Go. So my show is um, First Geek 411. Um, I run it with my best friend and best man, Chris Nicolay. Um, we've done it for about three years now. And it's it's a lot like the Infinity Bros. Um, we take this the, a couple main topics, and then we go through video games, TV, movies, entertainment, a little bit of tech news, and then what we call the tangibles, which are things like board games or card games. And then we wrap up every episode with a top three. Um, and so we we have a lot of fun picking kind of pretty sporadic topics. Um, and we, we are definitely not nearly as organized as you are with the top threes. Ours are just kind of like, these are three things that we enjoy. No, <laughs> um, no, I don't, but we it. enjoy that. Yeah. Well, I think anybody who comes on the show knows like we're going like unbelievably organized when you listen to Isaac who says, you know, I just forgot that we had the podcast going. Like, five <laughs> minutes going this, so yeah, I think you're definitely on, on par with where he's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Cameron, thank you again for coming on. We're definitely going to be inviting you back. You can check him out at first geek Four Eleven. check that out. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You're on all those platforms, right? And are you on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook not and Twitter, on Instagram. Nice. Yeah, it's okay. That's where the kids are. <laughs> and uh, then you can check them out on a podcast too. Uh, Isaac, you did a great job, man. Thanks so much. And it was a very heavy Spider-Man episode. I don't know what we would have done if you weren't here. It was. It was. That's that's what I'm here for. I'm here to bring the Spider-Man heavy to each Infinity Bros podcast episode isaac you mentioned it earlier we're uh with uh being able to stream our nintendo switch our listeners will have heard me plug this on the front end. i'm gonna plug it on the front end uh, with separate audio later but uh we're really excited about our 24-hour stream coming up on may 2nd for the ronald mcdonald house and we just really hope that wherever you are however you're listening that you would consider maybe um just supporting a small amount 100 percent of what you give will be given to them we're not taking any of it uh, we just want to find a way to give back while also celebrating the things we love, like we're talking about here. And uh, yeah, just the Ronald McDonald House is specifically exciting for us. But when you watch, Isaac and I will probably be playing some Switch games. So Isaac, I hope you're ready. I am so ready. Uh, so just for information, I know you're going to plug this on the beginning of the show too, but the the 24-hour stream starts Saturday, May 2nd at 8 a.m. Central Time. We're going to be playing 24 hours straight of video games galore it's going to be a blast Jarrett's even going to finally get a stab at sea of thieves it's going to be great finally happening i'm, I'm crying right now you can't see it because this is in you know an audio format but yeah i'm bawling right now Jarrett, we're bawling that you were even on the show today it was a it was a pleasure it was a joy thank you so much for joining us today look the pleasure is always mine max okay i know i know it is i know but, and thank you, the listener, for joining us today, wherever you are listening, however you're listening. Always know, we love you 3000. We will talk to you guys soon. We'll see you later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com.